Would you turn please again to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter this evening. Let's continue on with our study. 1 Corinthians 6. We've been ministering on the subject of uh, how to reach your physical goals. How to reach your physical goals. Uh, sometimes that sounds funny to people because they think, well, preacher, you ought to be talking about spiritual things. I am. But it, it's, it's kind of like money, you know. Some people say, well, you know, you ought to stay off money and just, just preach the Bible. <laughs> That's laughable. That shows people's ignorance, you know. You ought to do a study sometime and see what percentage of the Lord's teaching and parables dealt with money. I mean, it's a huge subject in the Bible. And people say, oh, you know, money's not that important. You ought not talk too much about that, you know. Well, then why do most people spend most of the prime of their life trying to make some? Oh, it's a deal. It's a big deal. And wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And we're to put God first in every area of life. And the Bible has a lot to say about your body, doesn't it? A lot to say. About this physical body. You know there was teaching. Centuries ago. Error. Uh, false doctrine. That people taught. That the this body is not important. That it's only the spirit that's important. And, and it kind of degenerated into. Well whatever you do with this body. Doesn't make much difference. Because it's the spirit that matters. But that's a big lie. This body has been bought and paid for. With a big price. Amen. And we're instructed to sanctify our body unto the Lord. And possess this vessel in sanctification and honor. And yield our members as instruments of righteousness. I mean the scriptures go on and on and on. Talking about what you do with this body. This body is important. How many believe this body? This body. Now people say sometimes, I, I don't like my body. I hate my body. I'll be so glad when I get rid of it and, and get the other one. Well, this body is going to be with you forever. People say, oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. This body. This body is the one that's going to be glorified. Did you hear me? Study your Bible and see what we're talking about. Somebody says, oh, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't like this one. Listen, I assure you, once the glory is through with this body, you'll be perfectly content. But this body is a greater blessing to you right now than you may think. This body is a blessing. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And so many times the reason why people aren't enjoying their body is because they've abused it. And, 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 you know, you and I are the keepers of this thing. You know, we can keep it in good shape and enjoy it. Or we can destroy it with alcohol and drugs and abuse and sin. It's a lot like an automobile. You know, you see some people and uh, they keep a car 15 years. And it looks almost as good after 15 years as when they bought it. Because they maintain it. Replace parts. Keep it up. Improve it. Some people you see a car after five years. And it's shot. I mean it's got 
bubble gum in the carpet and spring sticking out of the seat. And, I mean, it's just abused and overused and abused. Right? Well, you can trade cars, but you can't trade bodies. This is it for this lifetime. And we're not talking about 100,000 miles. We're talking about 100 years. Right? I've had several people tell me, uh, you know, something along this line. One guy said, he said, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. I've had two or three people tell me something along that line. Well, let's don't be foolish. Let's handle this thing like we're going to be in it a long, long, long time. Amen. We're not going to stay down here forever. But the Bible said, Genesis says the days of man shall be 120 years. And that is the approximate maximum you could believe to live for. Someone said, oh, that's ridiculous. There was somebody in the news just recently that was over 120. I've got a, a, a file this thick of people that are 110, 115, 113, 118. And there's quite a few people over 100 in this country right now. No, it's not ridiculous at all. What's foolish is people that's 50 and 60 talking about they're over the hill. I'm, I'm telling you, it's ignorant. It really is. People say, well, you know, I'm, I'm 60 now and I can't remember much. And this old body, I guess it's just about shot. Well, as a man thinks, so is he. You believe lies and talk lies and you'll fall apart at a rapid pace. But if you talk faith and you believe that he that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and can quicken your mortal body. Sure, you're going to age. You may have some new wrinkles. You may lose some hair. But you can be in good operating condition. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You won't look just like you did. Or feel like you just exactly like you did. When you were 15 or 20. But you can be in good condition. Yeah. Amen. And you can serve God. Be healthy. I said be healthy. Yeah. Moses. Was the one. That God told. That the days of man. Shall be 120 years. That's who God told that to. And who wrote it down. Guess how long he lived? 120. And God had to tell him to go climb a mountain. It was time for him to die. He had to tell him. And at 120. He climbed a mountain. And surveyed the promised land at a distance. Without binoculars. Climbing mountains at 120. Now that's, that's happening. How many agree? Well, has God changed? Well, I think people just sell themselves short and expect to fall apart and talk unbelief and doubt and weakness. The Bible said, let the weak say, I am strong. Keep the word in your mouth and you overcome your infirmities and your weaknesses and you can be strong and you can live long. What did the psalmist say? With long life, I will satisfy him. And show him my salvation. What Psalm 103 said. That he renews our strength. Right? As the eagles. Glory to God. We better read our text. 1 Corinthians 6. Are you there? 1 Corinthians 6. In the 6th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 
in the uh, 19th verse, he said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. So is your body yours to do with as you choose? Or does the Lord have some say so about it? And married people, doesn't the Bible say? Actually, just uh, one chapter over, the very next chapter. Doesn't the Bible say that verse 4, 7, 4, the wife has not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Husbands, is the wife supposed to have some say-so about your body? About what condition it's in? Oh, that was weak. About what you do with it? Does your wife have rights and say so about your body? Yeah. Wives. Uh, does your husband have some say so about your body? That's pretty weak. <laughs> well, the answer is yes. And of course, the Lord. It's his. He bought and paid for it. Right? Keep reading here in the sixth chapter. Chapter six. And verse 20. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Certainly we're to glorify God in our spirit, in our inner man. But we are also to glorify God in and with our outer man. Everything we do with our body is to glorify God. Now go on over to the ninth chapter, please. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. He said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Listen to another translation. One says, I discipline my body. And I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. We went into some detail last week talking about how even somebody like the Apostle Paul, no question about him being a a spiritual man, a man of faith, a man who knew God, walked with God. And yet he says, I, the man on the inside, I have to keep this body under control. He didn't say, I put it under control uh, 15 years ago and I got it. No, every day when you wake up, this flesh is with you. And you've got to keep this body under control. If you don't, I don't care who you are. If you don't, you can wind up disqualified for the blessings and the things that God had for you. None of us are immune to being tempted. Did you hear me? None of us, uh, Jesus himself, was not immune to temptation. He was tempted. The Bible said, in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. None of us are immune from being tempted, but also none of us have to yield to temptation. There is no temptation that's taken you, the Bible says, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it 
What does that mean? That means that there, there is no temptation that can or will befall you that is irresistible. No such thing as an irresistible temptation. That's a lie of the devil. You might be pulled, you might be tempted, but there's no such thing as something that came into your life and it was just so strong and it was such such a pull that you could not say no, you could not resist it. It was just bigger, you know, like people that get into extramarital affairs and and all that kind of thing. They say it was just bigger than the both of us. (laughs) No, it wasn't. The both of you just yielded to it. You gave in. You could have said no. You could have resisted. If we can't help but sin, then we ought not have to repent. Because it's really not our fault. Did you hear me? Think about it now. See, there's people who tell you, well, we're just old sinners saved by grace. And the implication is you can't make it through an hour without sinning. People talk that and preach that. But that is not true. You can go for years and not sin. Jesus went his whole life. Is that right? Now I know people, some people don't like that because they, they don't want to take responsibility for their own actions. But the reality is you and I can resist temptation. We don't have to give in. Now if you do, thank God that you can confess your sins. And the Lord will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And all of us have missed it. And all of us have given in and yielded to temptation. But the very reason why we have to repent is because we didn't have to yield. We could have done something different. That's why we're responsible to confess it and repent it. Right? Say it out loud. I don't have to sin. Say it again. I don't have to sin. There is no temptation. I cannot resist. I don't have to sin. Amen. So that's one of the biggest benefits you and I have in being born again. We're not subject to live under the dictates as servants to the desires and lust of the flesh. The man on the inside is in control. Amen. And we keep our body under control. We bring it into subjection. Now we've been talking about reaching your physical goals. And one of the common things that keeps coming up is losing some excess fat. But that's just one area of what we're talking about. I mean, we've talked about drug addiction. We've talked about uh, affairs. We've talked about uh, alcohol addiction and, and watching things you ought not to. I don't care what it is. The bottom line of this thing is you and I being able to, and acting on and controlling our flesh. Not letting our flesh run us, but we control it. Like the Apostle Paul, I keep my body under control. I bring it into subjection. There's a a very simple two-letter word that you've got to learn and use concerning your body, your flesh. N-O. Have you ever noticed that? No, if, if you don't, your flesh will rule you and it'll ruin your spiritual life and it can ruin area. It can make you disqualified from the, the blessings and, and the big things of God. I mean, have you ever uh, gone to pray? And you know you ought to get quiet a little while and take more than two minutes and just get quiet and pray. Especially if you're praying in the spirit. 
You're praying in other tongues, but the Bible says your mind, your understanding is unfruitful. You don't know. Well, sometimes while you're praying in the Spirit, your, your mind is doing this. You know? <laughs> and have you ever been praying along and your mind says, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm uncomfortable. You know, your body and your mind will talk to you. Do you how many know your body has a voice? Yeah. I'm not talking about you hearing it with your ears, but it'll talk to you. It'll say, hey. And if you're not smart, you'll go, what? <laughs> hey. Hey, let's just lay down across the bed. I won't go to sleep. <laughs> Let me just lay down here and close my eyes. <laughs> yeah, right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey. Hey. Your mind will say, hey, what time is it? Hey. Hey, what time is it? I think my show I like is coming on. We're not going to miss that, are we? Hey. You ever heard it before? And if you're supposed to be praying, what should you say? Shut up. No. Shut up. Right? Actually, the language in this passage in 1 Corinthians 9.27 is very strong. I keep my body under. I bring it into subjection. Some uh, other translations from the Greek say, I beat it black and blue. <laughs> that paints a picture. What he's saying is you've got to get yourself by the nap of the neck and say, now, now you stay right here. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes people want to be tolerant with their self and rough with other people. You need to turn that around. Be gracious with other people and be rough with yourself. Right? Get yourself by the ear and say, no, boy, you're going to sit down here and you're going to kneel down. You're going to pray until you get through praying. You're going to stay in here and read like you're supposed to. <laughs> huh? Got to be rough with yourself. Discipline your flesh. Get your flesh in control. You ever been praying along and your mind and your body get together and go, hey, hey, I thought I saw some fried chicken in the refrigerator. <laughs> I thought, uh, let's go get some. Well, when it's time to pray, it's not time to be rummaging around in the refrigerator, right? There, there's a, a, a simple word that you, you have to use all the time. I mean, have you ever noticed? I don't care if you're saved. I don't care how long you've walked with God. You're, so, you'll get a glimpse of something and your eyes will go, I want to see that. And it may be something you've got no business looking at. Right? right? Yeah. But the lust, the desire of the eyes, your eyes will want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah, but you're not supposed to. Yeah, but I want to. I want to see what's behind that curtain. What is that? <laughs> and you've got to get a hold of yourself and say, no, no, you don't need to see that. You've got no business looking at that. Right? Everybody say no. 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 That's what you do with your flesh again and again. No. And back up to the uh, the sixth chapter again of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. He said, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Another translation says it like this. Someone will say, I'm allowed to do anything. See, people use living by faith and grace as an excuse to yield to the flesh. But we're not under the law. 
But we don't live by rules and, and do's and don'ts. So they just yield to the flesh and just yield to the flesh. Now he said, uh, yes, but not everything is good for you. I could say that I'm allowed to do anything, but I am not going to let anything make me its slave. We ought not be a slave to the television. Right? We ought not be a slave to food. Is that right? A slave to soft drinks or junk food or coffee or tea or or anything. Anytime you can tell that if your body doesn't get a certain thing, it starts screaming. Where's my cigarette? Where's my cigarette? I want my cigarette now. And if you go, oh, okay, okay, just a minute. Let me get you, get you here. Here's your cigarette. (laughs) Now that happens every day, right? Where's my cigarette? And so the man on the inside is jumping up and serving the flesh. Right? And so this man is a slave or this woman is a slave to nicotine. Where's my drink? Where's my beer? Where's my drink? I want my drink now. Now. Refuse to be a slave. I said, refuse to be a slave. Hey, come here. Where's my Coke? Where's my Coke? I got to have my Coke. Where's my coffee? I mean, I got to have my coffee now. How many understand that is not your spirit talking? That is your flesh. And your flesh is ruling the roost. I got to eat. I can't wait. I got to eat. I have to eat at, at certain times. And if my food ain't there, you know, there's actually one preacher said this to another preacher. I mean, you think he would know better. But he said, talking about his wife. When he got in, his wife had to have the food on the table at what was 530. And he said, if it ain't on there, there's going to be hell to pay. You wonder if that man saved. I'm serious. I mean, that's how sinners act. They don't know God at all. What is that? Flesh ruled. I've got, I've got to have my meals. I've got to have sex. I've got to have this. That's your flesh ruling you with an iron fist. You've got to be strong on the inside and get strong and built up and go, no, we'll eat when I say we eat. And we don't when I say we don't. Right? The man on the inside controlling the outer man. Right? No, we're not going to eat any more candy bars this week. No. Your flesh should go, now I got to have my Butterfinger. (laughs) In the afternoon at my break, I always have my Butterfinger. Where's my Butterfinger? Where's my Milky Way? I always put a Milky Way in my lunchbox. You say, well, this week you're not. Shut up. You get a Milky Way when I say you get a Milky Way, if you get a Milky Way. You shut up. You keep this up, you ain't getting a Milky Way for a month. Who's the boss? Who's in charge? Who's running this thing? And, and people like to pretend otherwise, but the reality is the flesh is ruling the roost. In people's houses and marriages, and the flesh is ruling 
You got to get strong in your spirit. Go, we sleep when I say we sleep. We get up when I say we get up. We eat when I say we eat. We don't when I say we don't. And if the flesh hollers, let it holler. If it cries, let it cry. It's good for you. I'm serious. The Bible talks about crucifying the flesh, doesn't it? It's good for you. Let it cry. Yeah, but I want my my Snickers. Shut up. You ain't getting no Snickers. It's good for you spiritually, I'm telling you. It's good for you spiritually. You're not letting your flesh and your desires rule you. (laughs) Turn with me, please, to uh, the book of James. And then the book of Philippians. You guys listen so good. I hadn't got out of the introduction yet. (laughs) If you haven't been with us in this study, it it could benefit you to to get the tapes. Because we can't go over everything every time that we've taught previously. But our first points we talked about how, you know, how to reach your physical goals. How to get in control of yourself in these areas. The first thing we talked about was grace and truth. The humble get to grace. And the truth makes you free. Amen. You must quit believing lies. And pride will hold you out. You see so many times if, you, if something comes up about an area that people are weak in. And they're not being successful. They'll get haughty. They'll get aggravated. Oh, what are you, are you talking about? Were you talking about my fat? How dare you? This is my fat. This is me. When I say, what, what are people doing? They are identifying with this extra weight. They're saying, this is me. There's no way you're going to get rid of it like that. Or let's say you want to gain 30 pounds. You feel like you're too thin. You say, well, you're talking about me. You're talking about me too. You'd have to make something up to say we told anybody that they were too thin or too heavy. We've told you repeatedly. If you say, hey, I like the way I am. Wonderful. Apply this to some other area of your flesh. Right? Physically. But what we're talking about is people who want some changes. And we're talking about how to do it. So many times people like, don't rock the boat, Christianity. You know, tell us we're okay. And leave it at that. But in God, there's always more. How many believe that? In God, there's always better. Always. And so, no, we, there, there's, there's no condemnation. But at the same time, can we come up to a higher place? Can we operate on a higher level? Yes. Is there power in God and in faith to reach your goals and be satisfied? Happy with yourself. Happy with your life in every area. Do you have to go through life not liking something and and feeling intimidated or embarrassed about something in your life decade after decade? Why would you have to do that? Be because God chose that for you? And God ordained that you're supposed to be this certain way physically. And so you say, well, I just have to accept, you know, 
this for my lot in life. Well, people say the same thing about poverty. People say the same thing about sickness. Don't they? I believe there's victory in Jesus. I believe we're overcomers. Amen. I believe you can stay after it and you can believe God until you wind up perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. You believe that? The second thing we talked about, if you remember, if you were here, was vision and desire. You got to see yourself reaching this goal. You got to see yourself having this thing or doing it. And you got to decide that you want it enough that you're willing to pay the price to get it. The Bible said count the cost. We talked about that. And it's going to cost you something. Well, let's go back to the same thing. I mean, let's say you got extra 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 150 pounds, whatever. Principle's the same. And you're saying, I want to get rid of that. Well, it's going to cost you something to get rid of that. But if you don't get rid of it, it's going to cost you too. Right? Cost you with health problems. Cost you not feeling good about yourself and not looking the way you want to in your clothes and not being able to do certain sports or things like you'd like to. It's going to cost you either way. Thing is, which price are you willing to pay? Somebody say, well, I like to eat pie and I like to stay up late and eat potato chips and I don't like to exercise, so I don't care. Well, that's your choice. But don't pretend that God chose that for you. Did you hear me? Be honest about it. If you want to make a change, then you can, but it's going to cost you something. And that's what brings us to this uh, tonight. In James, are you there? The, uh, the second chapter. Now I keep saying it, but I, it'll bear repetition. It is not in my desire or heart to tell anybody what size to be or what weight to be. That's not, that's not my business. And I don't have anybody in mind. I'm not preaching to anybody. Not at all. And there's no condemnation. And I'll, I will love you just the same if you're 100 pounds heavier than you are right now. Or if you're 50 pounds lighter than you are. I will love you just the same. And God does too. Amen. Or if you're thin. If you feel like you're too thin. Or, or whatever. You know, we're accepted in the beloved because of Jesus. Right? And whether we eat or don't eat or lose weight or gain weight, that cannot make us more or less accepted in Jesus. You understand that? We're not talking about that. I hope you understand that. We're just talking about you being happy with you. Your spouse being happy with you. You not letting something defeat you in life. Because if you don't keep your body under, it'll keep you under. Right? In some form or fashion. People battle with depression, they battle with insecurities and fears and intimidations and they won't do certain things, they won't get involved because they don't like the way they look, they don't feel good about themselves. That's bondage. That's robbing people. Do you see that? How could that be God? How many believe there's victory? All things are possible to him or her that believes and I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. Does all things mean all things? Has to. Or the Lord would have said something else. We're now getting to this part of it. James chapter 2. James 2. 
Well, back up to James 1. James 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, James 1, 21, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye what? Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. He beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his doing. Hallelujah. Who gets blessed? Do the hearers who don't do, do they get blessed? No, they don't. Only the doers. Everybody say doer. He goes on into the second chapter talking about faith and giving examples of faith. And in verse 17, verse 17, James 2.17. He said, even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone, being by itself. Now, what good is dead faith? Does dead faith get results? No. Only living faith. What is living faith? Skip down to verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Only the doers get results. Only the doers. I had the the Lord speak to my heart some years ago along this line. This, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me very distinctly, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, there is a misconception in your circles. I knew he's talking about people that preach faith and believe in living by faith, so-called word people, faith people, that kind of thing. There's a misconception, he said, in your circles. I thought, what is it, Lord? What, what kind of misconception? He spoke to my heart. He said, the, the idea and concept that if you'll just get in enough meetings and play enough tapes and read enough scriptures, it will solve your problems. And it'll straighten your life out. If you'll quote, get in the word, it'll straighten out your life. I thought, well, yeah, we believe that. He said, not true. It's not the the people who come to church and listen. It's not the people who play tapes. It's not the people who read the Bible that get results. It is the people who act on it. The people who do it. Oh, friend, this is so vital, so important. Because uh, people get lulled into a deception. That's what he said here. If you, if you hear and don't do, you delude yourself. You deceive yourself. And people hear tapes and they think, man, that's great. Glory to God. Where's another one? Let's look. Where's another series? And listen to tape after tape with no intention of doing anything. It's just like entertainment. 
Whoo, ain't that good? Go to meetings. Whoo, glory. Shout with no intention of changing their life. And that's why you see people that have, quote, been in the Word for 20 years and are in the same shape they were in in different areas of their life than they were 20 years ago. People say, well, I don't understand that. They've been in the Word. Have they been doing the Word? Answer is, it cannot be. If you do the Word, your life changes. If you do the Word, your life changes. Miracles happen when you do the Word. Not enough to just come to church and listen. Not enough to just read your Bible. As wonderful and important as that is. Not enough to just listen to tapes or read books. Or watch TBN. I mean all that's great and good. But if you go week after week and don't put it into practice. Your life will not change. Only the doers. Right? We have people standing up and said that they... uh, got results, they, they lost some weight, or they gained some muscle, or they overcame a habit. How did they do that? Those of you that stood up or raised your hand, did you do something? Every one of you. You did something. You made a change. It, it, it ceased being theory. It ceased being something you shouted about that you heard on Friday night, and, and on Saturday, you did something. And on Monday, you did something different in your life, right? You made a change, you made an adjustment, you did something. Now, the number one action of faith is speaking. That's the first and foremost place you make the change. In your mouth. Because the mouth, the tongue, right here in James it talks about it, is like the steering wheel. Right? It's, it's like the bit and bridle on the horse. It's like the rudder on the ship. It's what will steer you away from the direction you've been going and into the other direction. But as you do, and the Lord gives you light and revelation, there are things here to change, things here to change, things here to make an adjustment, and you will only get the full results and benefits if you are a doer. How many doers do I have in here? Doers. Say it out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Not a hearer only. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. <clears throat> well, now, um, that brings us to our, our last area here. And I don't know how long we'll spend on this. So this, I'm not saying this is our last session on this. But our, our third area. We talked about um, grace and truth. We've talked about vision and desire. And now we're talking about faith and patience. Or another way of saying it, instead of saying faith to help you think, action and persistence. Because we're not just talking about dead faith, we're talking about living faith. I mean, it's wonderful. You could have been at all the all these previous sessions and made all kind of notes, but it will not change your life unless you do it. Right? I mean, you can, you know, we've taught on finances, we've taught on tithing, we've taught on giving, we've taught on confession and faith, but unless you do it, nothing's going to change. Right? Taught on walking in love, taught on being led by the Spirit, but it's not enough just sitting here unless you do it. Put things into practice. You'll stay where you are or go backwards. You must do. 
do. Now, there are two natural areas that cover every spectrum of changing the physical body. Eating and exercise. It's no more complicated than that. Eating. Everybody say it out loud. Eating and exercise. You change either one of these and your body will change. Did you hear me? It's fact. It's the laws that are in the earth. You change either one of these and your body will change. Did you notice that we didn't start out talking about diet and exercise? How, how many weeks have we been, you know, working on other areas? Why? Because these principles are very, very simple. Then why don't people do them? Weaken their spirit. You don't start with diet and exercise. You start with building your spirit up. Amen. Amen. You start with building your faith up. So that you have the strength to make the changes. But the actual... Uh, Things that you do physically that change your body all fall under these two areas. Eating and exercise. And if you change these, and I don't mean you changed it for three hours. I mean you make a change in your lifestyle in one of these areas so that you do something differently for days and weeks or months in a row. Your body will change. Hmm? People say, well, you know, I've tr- Brother Keith, I have tried every diet, I've tried every exercise, and nothing works for me. I don't believe it. At all. It's not true. Did you hear me? It is not true. We're back to grace and humility. You have to admit, you didn't do the diet. You didn't stay on the change. Did you hear me? Y'all are too quiet. <laughs> now, go, go with me if you would. Are you still holding Philippians? Good deal. Go to Philippians then. I had a doctor friend of mine one time. <laughs> I was asking him because I said, you know, maybe, maybe there's some things I just don't know about physiology and, and, uh, and I said, you know, a lady was upset with me. She said, you know, uh, I gained 20 pounds last week and I didn't eat a thing. And so I said, well, I said, you know, help me with this. He said, no. He said, that defies the laws of physics. Your body does not create 20 pounds of extra flesh out of thin air. <laughs> Are you listening? No. People kid themselves. They lie to themselves. They conveniently forget stuff. <laughs> no. It's a fact. You change in the eating area, you change in the exercise area, your body will change. Now listen, friends, this is this is so important. Stop focusing on your body. That is a misdirection. Well, I want my body to change. So you go weigh yourself five times a day. <laughs> Nobody ever lost weight weighing themselves. <laughs> weighing yourself does not cause you to lose fat. If it did, people have all melted away. 
Say it out loud, weighing myself. Will not change my body. Here's another thing that doesn't change your body. Standing in front of the mirror and obsessing about different parts of your body that you're unhappy with. Standing in front of the mirror will not change your body. Is that right? Then why do people spend so much time doing this? Obsessing about it. Thinking about it. Crying about it. Getting on the scale. And then coming back and getting on the scale like it changed radically in two hours. <laughs> getting on the scale. Going and eating and coming back getting on the scale and just feeling worse. Oh no, I know I shouldn't eat. I know I shouldn't eat. No victory. No power. No faith. Stop focusing on your body. You don't change your body by focusing on your body. You change your lifestyle. I said you change your lifestyle and your body has to change. You change in these areas of eating and exercise. You make a change in your lifestyle and your body will adapt to whatever changes you made. Our bodies are amazing. They are constantly adapting. The physique we have today is an adaptation to our lifestyle. Your body right now is the result of your lifestyle. Swimmers have what kind of body? Swimmer's body, right? You, you hear people talk about it, a runner's body. What does that mean? Certain parts of their body develop certain ways and look certain way. Why? Because that's what they did. They ran and their body adapted to their lifestyle of running. So they wind up with a runner's body or a swimmer's body. Well, what about a sitter's body? (laughs) Huh? Your body's very, very intelligent. God made it amazing. If you spend most of your time on your rear. Then your body says, hey, we spend most of our time on the rear, so let's put a lot of extra padding there (laughs) so that they're comfortable. (laughs) Your body adapts to your lifestyle. Your body is a reflection of your lifestyle. Don't try to make it any other thing else. When you look in the mirror, you're seeing how you've lived. For the last several years. If you don't like the condition it's in. You won't change it by getting on the scale 20 times a day. Or by obsessing or crying or feeling bad. You have to change the way you live. Change your lifestyle. And your body will adjust. To the changes you make. Is that right? How many believe this? It's a fact. It's a fact. Your body is different today than it was yesterday. It's constantly changing. Adjusting to what you do. You know bodybuilding is such a perfect example of that. God has made the body so amazing. Muscles have memory. And let's say you you do some bicep curls. Well if you load the bar more than what you're normally used to curling. Well uh, when you sleep. While you're sleeping at night. What you did is you broke down some cells. 
You overloaded them. And while you sleep at night, the blood flows in and carries out those broken down ones. But it, it knows that you overloaded the ones that were there. And so you need stronger ones and it'll build bigger ones in the place of the ones you broke down. And that's how the body develops. That is, that is an instant example of the body adapting to the lifestyle. So there's nothing to despair about and there's nothing to cry about. Our bodies adapt to how we live. And, uh, the, you know, no need in making excuses or acting bewildered or confused about it. Look at your lifestyle. What do you do most of the day and most of the night? Now, when it comes to eating, well, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Read the scripture in Philippians. Philippians. Several good things here, but in this uh, third chapter, we'll just go straight to this. Third chapter, Philippians 3 and verse uh, 19. He's talking about people who are carnal and body ruled. Philippians 3.19, he said their end is destruction. Whose God... Is what? Their belly. Whose glory is in their shame. Who mind what? Earthly things. Another translation says. Their God is their stomach. Their mind is on earthly things. Well I don't like the sound of that do you? Their stomach is their God. Is your stomach your God? Are you belly ruled? <laughs> well, some people are. He got through talking about it, right? There are people who are. Their stomach runs them. If their stomach says, put something in me, what do they do? They will drop everything, right? And they will put something in that stomach. Whether they need to or not. So many times the stomach hardly has to do anything. Just... Just a little bit of, you know, I'd like to have something. And people will drop everything and rush to serve their God, their belly. I don't like the sound of that, do you? Say it out loud. My belly is not my God. My stomach does not rule me. I rule my stomach. Say it one more time. My belly is not my God. Now turn please to Ecclesiastes. The 10th chapter. Ecclesiastes. No condemnation. Just victory. Right? Ecclesiastes the 10th chapter. How many believe there's power in the word? To strengthen your spirit. So you can be in control. Faith comes by hearing. And even if you've been weak and given in. Not been in control in times past. What's happening here tonight? The word coming into you. Will bring you up to a stronger place. So that you can be in control. Ecclesiastes 10. And. Uh, 16. 
10.16. Woe to you, O land, when your child is a king, and your princes eat in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles, and your princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. Let me read this to you from other translations. The Amplified says, uh, Blessed are you, your officials feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. New Living says, your leaders feast to gain strength for their work, not to get drunk. Uh, The English says, leaders who eat at the proper time, who control themselves and don't get drunk. You understand, included in the idea of drunkenness is the idea of gluttony in this passage. They were eating, not because they were hungry. They were eating not because they needed strength. They were eating as recreation. They were eating as sport. We have a lot of sport eating and recreational eating, hobby eating. Right? We ain't doing nothing, so let's eat. Not hungry at all. Just got through eating an hour ago or two hours ago. Not not hungry at all, but let's eat. So we eat. And that's why people put on excess fat. It's kind of like this. Let's say you, you got a car with an expandable gas tank. And you pull up and you say, fill her up. So they fill up your gas tank. You go around the block and come back and say, put some more in there. You go, well, you, the gauge's still on full. Yeah, I know, but put some more in. So they put another five gallons. Well, the gas tank stretches out. You go around the block again. You come back and say, put some more in there. They go, why? <laughs> well, because I want some. Put some in there. So they put another 10 gallons. Now the gas tank expands and stretches, so you got gas tank sticking out from under the fender. And you got some gas tank sticking out from behind the bumper. So then you drive a mile and you see another gas station. You go, hey, let's turn in. Well, we only went a mile. Yeah, I know, but let's put in some more. Well, we got gas tanks sticking out from under the fender right now. I don't care. You know, put another 15 gallons in. <laughs> How many know you can't keep doing that? Uh, the gas tank is going to be sticking four feet out both sides of the car. And, and the gas tank's going to be dragging the ground. <laughs> and for you to stop and say, put some more in. Excess weight accumulates when we take in more than we burn. Simple. You burn more than you take in, you lose weight. If you've got excess weight, it's because you took in more than you burned. I learned this when I went to Bible school. When I was in my late teens, mid-teens and earlier, I was very, very active physically. 
athletically. And even after Phyllis and I got married, like a year or two before we went to school, not only was I, I was training to be a fighter, but I was working on the docks loading freight. I had a metabolism like a forest fire. I kid you not, man. You'd been shocked at what I ate. I brought a grocery bag full of food to work. Am I telling it straight? Phyllis would cook for me. I mean, the plate was this big and this tall. And there'd be like three or four other Tupperware containers. But for break, I'd have like three or four sandwiches. And, and I, I'd, I'd drink a, a half gallon of milk, three or four sandwiches. That's just for break. I mean, I, I ate. <laughs> it was amazing how much I ate, but I wasn't big. I think I was 175 pounds and, and in good, good condition. And then we went to Bible school. <laughs> and what we did, we'd go to class and sit. And, uh, and after class, we'd go eat and sit. And then come back to healing school and sit. And sit. And then after, of course, when you get out of uh, healing school, what do you do? Well, you go eat. I mean, it's evening time. It's supper time. You know, so you go eat. And then you go back and it's time to study. So we'd sit. And then, of course, 10 or 11 o'clock, you get hungry. You're sitting up studying, eating. Uh, I mean, uh, studying. So, so you eat. And then you sit. And you go back tomorrow and you sit. And eat. And sit. And eat. And of course, I'm eating like I was, like I've always been eating. I'm eating like I was loading freight and like I was working out all the time. But I'm not. I'm just sitting and eating. And something strange happened and unusual. All my pants shrunk up. And my clothes shrunk up. Until they were binding and, and uncomfortable. So naturally, I went out and did one of the dumbest things you ever did. And bought bigger pants. And filled them up. And, and then went and bought some, some bigger pants yet. <laughs> and I'll be, I mean, you think we'd be smarter than this, but I mean, it took me a few years and, and here I'm. You know, 245 and, and way too heavy for where I ought to be. And I'm thinking, hey, something's not right. <laughs> can you tell me what, what it was or is it a great mystery that none of us can know? <laughs> what was my problem? Do you know what? I'm taking in more than I'm burning. As long as I was burning it, I could eat like that. But now, I'm not burning it, but I'm taking it in. I'm driving around the block and saying, put more gas in the tank. I'm I'm not burning it. Right? So, I wasn't going to have that level of physical activity, so what do I have to do? I got to reduce the intake. Right? Somebody says, well, I think I'm eating plenty. It's real simple. If you're still gaining weight... You're taking too much in. And it's not just amount of food. You understand this, that, you know, you could eat some, some rice and, and potatoes and, and maybe a, something else for the same calorie amount you could a candy bar. 
or two, or, you know, you, you just have to look at the thing to see what works for you. Don't take anybody's diet book and make a Bible out of it. I don't care who it is. Don't take anybody's exercise book and make a Bible out of it. Don't do it. And don't preach that this is the salvation of our physical condition. No, no, this right here, this is it. And you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he'll help you to custom tailor what's right for you. Yes. Amen. Amen. What might be right for you might not be right for somebody else. And so don't, don't preach your convictions off on somebody else. Well, this is what I do. It's what you're supposed to do too. Says who? Don't, don't do that. Amen. Have you realized that some of the books that were so hot about diet and exercise 20 years ago, where are they now? Some of them have fallen completely into disrepute. People decided, no, they were wrong. What do you think some of the books right now are going to look like? Same thing. In a five years or... Hmm? No, there, there might be something you'd read and it bears witness with you and you think, yep, I think that fits me. But don't take anybody's mentality or structure and diet plan and exercise and just swallow all of it and lift it up as a standard. No, be led by the Spirit of God. Every day. And everything. He deals with you, leave that off, then you leave that off. But you don't go preaching everybody else supposed to leave it off. You do this, well then you do it. You preach the word, not your convictions. Did you hear me? Preach the word, not your convictions. The Bible actually talks about when people, uh, you know, teaching and preaching that certain foods are wrong to eat and that kind of thing, calls it doctrines of devils. People better watch because they're using their pulpit to preach diet instead of the word or something else. Y'all are quiet. I don't have anybody in mind. <laughs> no, no particular person in mind. Just the scripture. I have Timothy in mind that talks about that. So, aren't you glad we're having so much fun? <laughs> if the gas tank it's stretched out. And we got gas tanks sticking out from under the fenders. <laughs> gas tank out from under the bumpers. And <laughs> gas tank dragging the ground. What should we do? Quit, quit pumping so much into the gas tank. Right? And drive some more. Drive some more. Burn some gas. Burn it up. Amen? Get out and walk or or run, or, or do something. Find out what works for you. Find out what you like to do that involves some physical activity. And you have to find the balance in your life. You know, the thing that's going to change you the quickest are changes in eating and changes in exercise. You change either one, and it'll change your body. You change both, it'll have the most effects the quickest. But it's not enough to just try something. Don't go on diets for two weeks. Change your life. How long? Forever. Right? You know, that's why people, they lose 20 pounds of fat, and then six months later they gained it back plus 10. Well, they didn't change their life. They tried something. They didn't change their life. Your life must be changed. Say it out loud again. My belly, my stomach, is not my God. Now, when it comes to eating... There's nothing wrong with enjoying a meal. You're not going to hear me say that I'm never going to eat a piece of pie. (laughs) But 
We should be in control. Right? And there's times maybe when I'll go out and somebody takes us to some place special. And, uh, you know, you, you eat something maybe that you normally wouldn't eat. But then when you come back home, you don't, do, you don't eat any of it all week. Did you hear what I'm saying? You, you got to work out your own salvation. What works for you in these areas. And when it comes to eating, we need to get rid of the uh, recreational eating. Sport eating. Well, let's just go eat and, and eat. You can sit down and talk without eating a bunch of stuff. You can. Or eating things that are not too heavy for you. Just make adjustments. You know, I don't think it's even healthy to, to try to lose too much too fast. Just make the adjustments and over a period of time, your body will adapt to your new lifestyle. Amen. And you're not weighing yourself every day or even every week necessarily. It's not about a magic number and it's not about a magic dress size or pant size. It's about when you feel good about yourself. Amen. When you're happy in your heart that you're where you want to be. Feel like you're glorifying God with your spirit. And with your body, Amen. which are both his. Everybody say no, no recreational eating, no recreational sport eating. eating. Sport eating is not a hobby. Is not a hobby. It's not a, not a sport. I eat, I eat. at the right time, the right, time. The right, amount, the right amount for strength. For strength. Amen. 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 You know, there's folk that hadn't been hungry in 40 years. They don't even know what it feels like. But uh, when you know, okay, I should eat something. I need some strength and, it, you know, it's the right time. But he's, he talks about individuals that just get up and start eating and drinking. And they're just doing this out of recreation and sport. And he said the land is not blessed when the leaders are that way. Well, why? Because they're not controlled. And if they're not controlled in that area, they're not going to be controlled in other areas. They're just flesh ruled. And they're going to be poor leaders. Bad leaders. Hallelujah. I think I'm through. Let me just check and see. Don't hear too much shouting tonight, but uh, that's all right. That's all right. Faith does what? It acts, right? Faith acts. Don't make rash commitments that you don't keep and then you wind up in more condemnation than you started out. Did you hear me? Don't try to keep up with somebody else or do what you think they're doing or what they said they're doing. No. Do what's real in your heart. And uh, it's, it's not extreme effort that gets the job done. It's consistency. I said it's consistency. Don't, don't, don't be in a rush to say, well, I lost, you know, 10 pounds in a week. Or, All right. So? That's, that's not the real test. The real test is how are you next year? Did you hear me? Well, I ran five miles this week. Okay. That really don't mean a whole lot. How are you next year? You see what I'm saying? Life changes. And so you make progress every day, but things that you incorporate into your life and you stay with it. You stay with it like reading your Bible. How many believe reading your Bible has changed you and helped you? Would you say that? Amen. We read here at Faith Life Church, we read our chapter. Every day, Monday through Friday. Am I right or am I absolutely right? Right. 
Why? You know, you know, so well, I, I read the whole book of Hebrews. Well, great, but then people will go six months and not even pick up a Bible. No, every day, feeding your spirit. Every day, feeding your spirit, you grow. You grow. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. If you didn't like this message tonight, uh, come back next week. You might like that one better. You might listen to this one again and like it better. Some things you don't shout so much at the moment. But when you do them and you get results, then you really shout later. And you do a lot of shouting later. Hallelujah. The big thing uh, that's in Phyllis in my heart is not, you know, that somebody might be a few pounds overweight or underweight or this or that. We know, you know, in our own lives and then dealing with many other people, people are hurting in these areas. They put on a good front. Then they go home and they fight like cats and dogs and they cry and they're miserable and they're tormented and they try to make out like it's not a deal, but it's a deal. It's a big deal. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be, you can have victory. You can have total victory. How many believe all things are possible to him or her that believe? How many believe you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? There are no deadlines on this. There's no competitions, no race. We're just believing with you. You can have what you want. Amen? Spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially. You can, have, you can come to a place where you are glorifying God in every part of your life. And when people see you, they say, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? And it's an open door to witness. How'd you come out of that? How'd you overcome that? You tell them. Jesus, Jesus will do the same thing for them. Close your eyes, please. Lift up your heart before the Lord. Let me pray over you. Lord, we present ourselves to you this evening acknowledging that you are our God. Our belly is not our God. Our stomach's not our God. You are our God. Said out loud, Father God, I ask you, teach me, retrain me as to what is the right lifestyle for me. What I do with my eating. What I do with my exercise. What I do with my body. Train me and retrain me from all wrong ways of thinking, wrong ways of talking, unprofitable, hurtful, harmful lifestyle practices. Teach me. Retrain me, deliver me from all that's not good in my lifestyle. Make me aware of it. Open my eyes. Help me to see what I've not seen. Strengthen me in my inner man that I may be strong to make the changes and to keep the changes. And to receive your blessing, your victory that belongs to me. 
in all these areas. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just praise Him a little bit tonight. Just thank Him in advance for total victory. Total victory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.